Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. advice from old pro turkey hunters like this the turkeys typically don't like i think more times than not to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning especially after he gets up it's a blinding thing it, it it's just like you it's hard for you to see into the sun mm-hmm. so if i have a choice i'm going to try to make it so that i'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 434, When Kings Go to Battle, with Michael T. Simpson. And I am your co-host, and the guy who sounds like Daphne. From the Andy Griffith Show. One of the fun girls, huh? Yep, had to go fun girl on you. Yeah, I, don't, I keep, I'm thinking you're about to just bring well, So here was my other guy who, and we'll, we'll get to yours, but my other guy who was going to be the guy who can do one heck of a spitting drum <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, I can kind of feel the vibrations off your voice already. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the guy whose bags are packed. Heck yeah, man. And ready to roll. The gun is, you know, not sighted in, but patterned. I don't have a red dot or anything, but no matter what, I'm going to shoot my gun once before season just to make sure. Oh, yeah. That's always I, a great habit to have. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's one shell. I don't care, uh, but I'm going to pattern the gun just to make sure, you know, you just never know what can change. Yeah. And I shot it yesterday. Great pattern at 30 yards. Perfect. Center punched. 
I personally like shooting at 30 because it's still pretty tight. So you can see if it's high, left, left right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas at 40, it's pretty open, you know, so you might, you can still kind of see, it's just easier to see at 30. Plus I feel like my average turkey shot is around 30 yards. It's a good range. Anything closer is a very tight pattern. Anything further is getting a little further, you know? Yeah. So I feel 30 is good and I'm, I'm dead on. So ready to rock with that. And, you know, I get my gun out to go shoot it thinking, okay, we'll see how it patterns. The, the sling was hung on something. I'm kind of just yanking on it. Well, then it cut loose and literally hurled my gun over my shoulder, unloaded, mm. obviously. And, like, it was airborne for a good three seconds through the kitchen and landed actually in the laundry room before slamming into the wall. And I was like, well, if it's still on after that. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. it was. It actually shot better than usual. So maybe I knocked it back <laughs> correct. Baggage people have a hard time making doing anything worse. Yeah, that's the beauty of using a super old 870. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that had been my brownie gold hunter, I would have been on my knees like, oh! Exactly, yeah. But yeah. anyway, bags are packed, ready to rock. Game time is upon us in less than two full days at this point for me. Yeah, so in Alabama, we are 23 days, 19 hours, 16 minutes, and 10 seconds from opening day of spring turkey season. It's getting pretty close as well. And I assume you're counting down private land, southern zone for Alabama. Because I looked into y'all's regs. Looks like a lot of the state opens now on April 1. And then select WMAs are even a week or two after that. Yeah, you know, they've been pushing the WMAs back a little bit at a time. And I think a good many of the WMAs have been... Well, I'll say that there have been select WMAs that have been, that have had an April one start date for years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I think they're you know gradually trying to push that back, and you know it's something that we talked about with Kenny not this past year but the year before, and you know how the state's doing that with public ground. But yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So I'll yeah. be hunting private ground, and primarily, I'm not going to say I won't slip often. And you know, try to hunt a little public ground here and there, but yeah, I mean, nobody else hunts it down there in Alabama. No, no it's wide open. You know, <laughs> millions upon millions upon millions of acres of just two toms untouched, per acre. Oh yeah, untouched public ground with toms roosted in almost every four foot tall pine tree. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what my experience was for sure. I mean, no doubt. So, on a serious note. We've got another Southerner coming on this week, Michael T. Simpson. He is recently released his book that he wrote with the foreword written by a good friend of the show and previous guest, Andy Cantrell. Yeah. And you met Michael at Unicoi? I did meet Michael at Unicoi. Heck awesome. of a nice guy. I yeah. mean, just genuinely just a nice guy. And I finished the book this weekend. And so, you know... I I think I don't know it was it was weird not that the book was a hard read at all prior to talking to Michael but maybe I was just like more fired up about finishing the book after 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 talking with him yeah but it it's a really well written book got some great stories in it so yeah, yeah. it's awesome I I finished it on a flight and you know it's a, it's one of those easy reads reminded me a lot of Cantrell's books to be honest yeah. Pretty quick, pretty easy, not a super long book. It's not going to 
take you through how to how to use a box call, you know, and give you a diagram of the box call with the dimensions. A lot of turkey books do that, you know, through each thing. But this is just stories from Michael's career as a turkey hunter, and it's awesome. So we had to get him on. Absolutely, yeah. He's kept journals of his hunts for years, I think, basically yeah. ever since he started turkey hunting. Yeah, which is impressive. Yeah, so that was that's you know where a lot of the memories and stories come from because i'm not going to say that he can't remember as he gets older but i know i, I can't <laughs> so you know that's that's a great way for not just him but everybody to recall hunts and you know just keep a little journal of your daily hunts or whatever and reflect back on that it's also a good read and a good reminder pre-season of things to do and not do that kind of thing so yeah yeah that's i think a heck of a good interview what do you think you well, jump I, in i think we should all right let's do it see you guys on the other side hey everybody cameron and i are glad to tell you that we have on the phone with us this evening michael t simpson and michael is an author he's just published his first book here not too long ago the book is entitled when kings go to battle and I met Michael at Unicoi in North Georgia this January. And for those of you who went, you hopefully met Michael and picked up one of his books while you were there. Michael is, well, he lives in Amory, Mississippi, and we're going to learn a, a lot about Michael because we're going pick to pick his brain here throughout the, the interview. But this is a, I'm halfway through it, but I've really enjoyed it up to this point. And it's a good book got pictures in it which for somebody like me is important because i'm still like i'm in high school when i get a book i look to see how many pages it has and how many pictures are in it because that's fewer pages i have to read <laughs> not that i don't enjoy the stories in there because that's what it's all about but you know it's still a book to me is a lot like homework even though i've got a bunch of them and i'll say this having be having just come back from nashville i've got a lot of homework because i picked up a lot of books <laughs> in Nashville so I've got I started yours Michael I've got to finish it first before I move on to another one but I've been enjoying it so far and I want to just say thank I'm you glad. for taking time out of your day and coming on a, yes, the phone and talking to me and Cameron and how is everything and where are you today I am in Amory Mississippi and uh everything's everything's well here I, I appreciate y'all uh, having me on good deal yeah we're glad to absolutely have you. we we love having authors on this show and uh you know especially new authors who recently published a book and i really enjoyed your book man I, I thank you for writing it and getting me a copy i enjoyed it well i i mean i appreciate that uh, i appreciate all the positive feedback i've gotten you know i released it back in october you know i've been selling it directly from me so you know every interaction with a reader has been essentially direct you know so i i get that feedback you know and then i i you know, I, that's the part that I really, I really enjoy. I mean, I, I feel like I'm kind of like a, uh, like a call maker that, you know, I'm selling this product and, but I want to keep that one-on-one -on -one interaction. I want to, you know, I want to hear people's stories and, you know, there would be some people that like Andy, uh, when at Unicoi, you know, they would park in front of, front of where I was selling the book at and we'd talk for 20 minutes, yeah. you know, and just time would just fly. And, you know, I would have, you know, folks, you know, just get emotional about certain birds and everything. And I just, man, I just love that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. the, you yeah. know, just 
I, I just love that interaction, and and that's one reason why for the for the foreseeable future, every book that comes, uh, every book that somebody gets, that's going to come directly from me. I, I just that's the that's the rewarding part for me. Yeah. You know the interaction, the interaction with you, Andy, you Cameron. You know that's that. I mean that's that's reward. You know to me. Yeah. I don't know about me, but you know the interaction you had with Cameron <laughs> was probably pretty good. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Well, Cameron uh, and I have a have a lot more in common than we realized that we did. Uh, but we we might discuss that just uh, here in just a little bit. You I mean, it's practically that's, relatives. Uh, I'm, well, well, I mean, if if people are uh, if people were listening to this and think that uh, Cameron and I have ever met before, we have not ever met before. And uh, but uh, but there is a connection through that book and uh it's it's we kind of it, the same turkey gobble but we've never met <laughs> that is correct that is correct and that is that just goes to prove it is an extremely small world out there and yes. when you get in the, the turkey hunt community that that world shrinks down even more uh but it, it is if we we might flesh out the details i don't know i'm going to leave that up to cameron i'm i'm yeah. good with the details later on concerning that but it, it is it's something that it just blew my mind and probably blew cameron's too for that matter uh it's just uh it, it's just a small world yeah yeah it is truly a small world and we'll we'll hit that here in a little bit but i think andy's got a game he's wanting to trick you into before we get there all right what you said something about rapid fire yeah what what about trying your hand at the rapid fire q a are you let's do it you now i talk i talk pretty slow so i mean there's nothing rapid right how i talk well (laughs) with me reading slowly and you talking slowly maybe you can Mm. beat will primos's worst time ever Man, I could make turkey egg into six syllables if I really wanted to, but I'm going to try to tighten it up. All right. I'll tighten it up. I'll, I'll try to be good. Okay. Well, we had a close call, what, two weeks ago, I think, Cameron? Three weeks ago? Yeah. And yeah. just about had a had the, the record broken by Mark Prudham. And mm. Steve Turpin did really well with two minutes and 26 seconds, but Mark Prudham still has a mm. record at 217.48. And mm. until I go back and re-listen to that episode and figure out that I really only asked him 29 questions instead of 30, mm. then yeah. Yeah. We, he's going to continue to hold the record. So, all right, I'm trying to pull up the timer here. Okay, I'm going to start the clock on the first question. And Okay. We're just going to run through them as quick as we can. Sounds good. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Fried. Wild turkey, on the rocks, neat, with cola or with water? Water. Number of grand slams? Zero. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? No. Have you ever killed a jake? Nope. Ten-minute successful hunt on a two-year-old or a four-hour-long hunt with a clean miss on a four-year-old? Killing him. Favorite camo pattern? Mossy oak, tree stand. Wild turkey legs, for dinner or for the dog? Chunk them. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest? Less. State you killed your first turkey in? Mississippi. State you killed your last turkey in? Mississippi. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Squeeze the trigger. Two and three quarter inch, three inch, or three and a half inch? Three and a half. TSS or lead shot? TSS. Pump or automatic? Auto. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Woods. Shotgun scope, rifle so- rifle sight, holographic sight, or beads? Bead. Rubber boots, leather boots, or snake boots? Snake boots. Favorite place you've ever hunted? Hills. Most turkeys you've ever killed in a season? 
seven. Least number of turkeys ever killed in a season? Two. Out of all the states you've hunted, which state has the most uncooperative turkeys? Mississippi. If you only knew how to imitate one turkey sound to call turkeys, what would it be? Yelp. On a scale of one to ten, how good of a turkey caller do you think you are? Four. Favorite turkey hunting book? <laughs> oh, pro. Who taught you how to turkey hunt? <laughs> Me. Think of the toughest turkey you've ever hunted. Did you ever kill him? I did not. Do you prefer long, sharp spurs or long, thick beards? Spurs. Biggest mistake new turkey hunters make? High impact. How long does turkey season last in heaven and what is the bag limit? Eternity unlimited. Man, that was strong. At 2 minutes, 13.96 seconds, we have a new champ. Michael T. Simpson. Now, now look, does that, does that mean that uh, Cameron's going to do an all-expense-paid uh, South Dakota or Wyoming? It doesn't matter to me. It's up to him. Well, you know, ask her, Mariams. What we haven't told yeah. everybody that's been on the show is Cameron's going to pay for you to do a single-season super slam. Okay, I can do that. I will. I'm, I'm, yeah, we're going to do... Start in Alaska, then Arkansas and Louisiana. We're going to hit the good ones first. <laughs> if you and, can kill in those three, then he's going to pay for the rest of the state. Uh, hey, Once you I get can, your Alaska can, bird, we'll move on, and I'll start paying for them. No, I can find I can find a turkey in Alaska, but it might not be wild. So you might still be on the hook for the rest of it. You'll <laughs> fly one with him. I'm, I'm going to kill a wild turkey in Alaska, but... It's going to be a, in a bottle, and I will bet you I won't be the first one to have ever killed one there. Yeah, that's one thing I got to clarify on my on the wild turkey. When you said water, or you know, when I answered water, I didn't tell you how much water. It would have to be like one part per million because I don't I don't drink. Uh, but uh, judge for his own, but you know, I just don't. Yeah, nothing wrong at all with that. Hey, and also another thing, I will say this. When it comes to the call, uh, the answer about the what call is the most important, or you know, uh, one call. I, I did say Yelp. Now, at the end of the day, if you were going to tape a microphone to a hen's lips, you know, she's going to cluck more times in a day uh, than she'll ever yelp. But me personally, you know, we're all just a sum of our own experiences. You know, us three just we've had totally different experiences. All of us, you know, a yelp has worked better for me than a cluck. Yeah. Uh, even though they do cluck more, that that's why the answer for that. Yeah. Well, for years I answered that question when I was asked by people. I answered it cluck. And I think a lot of that has a lot of the reason why I answered that question the way I did is because of where I really cut my teeth turkey hunting. And you didn't hear a lot of hens yelping. They'd yelp right. on the roost. And then right. when they fly down, you didn't hear much yelping. You right. A lot of clucking. Right. And, you know, there there have been a bunch of times hunting that piece of property down in south, southwest Alabama where I would just be walking and calling, just trying to strike something. And right. just the first thing I would do to open any series when I stopped would be a cluck. And right. I would, a lot of times I would just get a turkey just to hammer back right. at me and then you just sit down. Right. If he's going to gobble at a cluck, there's a real good chance he's on his way. <laughs> that That is correct. So, But, you know, I'm a 4 out of 10 caller, so, you know, I, I try to stay as mi- mysterious as I can. Uh, <laughs> you know, my I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I think I'm where my strength is. You know, I'm not, you know, just just because I wrote a book about turkey hunting doesn't mean I'm an expert in turkey hunting, and I don't claim to be. I'm just, you know, I'm just passionate about it. 
but I, I know where my strengths are after doing it, a, you know, as, as long as we have. Yeah. Um, my timing, my, the calling timing is probably one of my greater strengths. You know, I've, I've hunted with guys that will call relentlessly and they will kill turkeys too. Uh, you know, the, at the end of the day, we're all trying to step on Gobbler's head. Uh, and we all go about it different ways and no, really no way is the wrong way. If it, if the, if the end result is a dead bird, that's right. You know, it's just, you know, I just, I don't have the skills, you know, to be able to do, you know, 27 of 28 vocalizations of the wild Turkey, you know, each time I sit down on a bird, like some people can, I just, I just can't, I'm not, I'm not that bad, but I'm not, you know, I'm not terrific either. I'm not going to win a, a, a competition, uh, by no means. Uh, but, uh, but the timing of it, you know, knowing when to call and knowing when to make them think. And, uh, when they have to think too much, that's, that's usually when you're going to shoot them in the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So tell us a little bit about Michael Simpson. Well, 47 years old, moved to Mississippi when I was 22. So I've officially, uh, lived in Mississippi longer than I ever did Tennessee. Yeah. Been married for almost 24 years to a very supportive wife. You know, I think you met her at Unicoi. You know, she's right. She's my right there beside me. Uh, she's a sweetheart and uh, very, very supportive of this book deal. Very supportive of uh, my turkey habit. She knows. You know, she knows how it's going to be come March, April, May. Uh, by trade, I, I actually do MRI for a living, uh, working radiology. And in my spare time, I'm just getting ready for turkey season. I'll deer hunt and duck hunt, but that just passes the time to the spring. Yeah. You know, you got to pay your bills. Turkey hunting ain't going to pay the bills for me. So, you know, you got to have a secular job, but I do have flexibility with my job. I'll flip my shifts around a little bit during turkey season. That does make it a little bit harder for me. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why I have the, the strategies and the techniques that I do is because I have to be at work at 10 o'clock. Now, I can start burning PTO uh, if, you know, if I just wanted to hunt all day, but I generally don't. I try to save that PTO if I can. So I have to approach a roosted turkey a little bit differently, you know, because of that time factor. I try to get him on the ground. Uh, I don't want to have to leave for work with him still being on the roost, in other mm-hmm. words. So, you know. So, Dive a little bit more into that. So what are you doing well, to get him on the ground besides shooting him out of the roost? Uh, which I know you don't do. We had a long conversation I, I don't, before I've never, we started you know, recording. That's the, <laughs> that's the thing about, uh, that's the thing about uh, when I when I first started uh, hearing about turkey hunting, you know, and uh, the, the mystique of it. You know, I always thought that shooting one off the roost would be some kind of easy feat to do. <laughs> And, uh, dude, I'm getting good to be, uh, I'm doing good to get within 150 yards of them things undetected. <laughs> you know, I generally don't, I generally don't have the opportunity to roost one at night. Yeah. Um, I very rarely go into a hunt, uh, in the morning time, knowing, knowing the exact tree where one's at. And I sleep better because of it, because <laughs> if I knew exactly what tree he was in, I would overanalyze all night and toss and turn. And, you know, it, it's just easier for me psychologically to kind of go in ignorant. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of have a general idea that way I can just kind of let it play out that morning. You know, it might put me behind the eight ball a little bit, but I'm, I'm telling you, the worst sleep I ever get during turkey season is when I know where one's sitting, you know, that night. And uh, I know a lot of people might be the exact opposite, but it's not for me. I'll, I'll try to overanalyze. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm the same way, and I never really thought about it until you said it, until you said that. But yeah, there's been 
so many nights when I just laid in bed and just, you know, had this huge smile on my face. There's no way, there is no way I'm not killing that turkey in the morning. Right. And they, (laughs) yes, there is. (laughs) I'm I'm telling you, you know, the old cliche, roosted don't, it doesn't mean roast. And and that that is, that is about as much of a true saying as I've ever heard. It is. Um, It'll, you know, the last one that I, that I had roosted in the evening, uh, it was a full moon that night. And I mean, I was so early the next morning and so paranoid. I mean, I was, you know, his head was underneath his wing, I'm sure. But, you know, I was, I was walking in the shadows, the moon shadows, you know, I, mm-hmm. I was that, that OCD about it. Of course, I only had about two hours sleep because I knew where he was at. And, uh, so I was sleep deprived and, uh, of course he, you know, I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll still should be able to kill him. Well, he didn't, he went the other way and, and, and that was that went off the property. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Richardson the night before. I'm just, I'm just not. Yeah. Yeah. I think my statistical best odds of killing a turkey is the first time my boots hit a piece of property and I'm hunting with no prior knowledge of it. Yep. I honestly think I have my best shot down. You know, one you. of the chapters, I, I, and I agree with you as well, one of the chapters in my in the book kind of it deals with statistics. And uh, it, it's kind of, a, it, was, it, was, it was kind of, it was supposed to be a fun chapter, but, it, but there's a lot of seriousness to it. You know, we go along through a turkey hunt, and we we're we're basically running our odds at any given time. Uh, you know, if a bird sounds off, for instance, you know, three or four hundred yards off, he's on the other side of the slough. What do we actually think our chances are of killing that bird? Um, you know, we make a move, get a little closer, we communicate with him. You know, or or, or you know, it, the the odds go up. You know, and then he goes the other way, the odds go down. You know, I'm just I'm kind of playing, you know, the pragmatic in me. You know, I, I said I want to know my realistic chances of killing killing the bird. Now, I, I think, and, and I said it in the book, and I, and I really am a firm believer in it. The most deadly animal out there, most deadly creature, is is it's not the great horned owl, it's not the bobcat, it's not mankind in general, but it's that turkey hunter that's killed a couple birds that week, and he's going back in the woods again because he has that mental clarity that i mean you just you just have it sure y'all y'all had it too you know you just instinctively know what it's going to take to get that bird on the ground you know you just you just you're a much more efficient predator that way um and i'm a firm believer in that you know we we tend to kill in clusters uh it, it just it just seems that way you know that's that's my sample uh you know in my in my turkey hunting world concerning my turkey hunting buddies and myself, we we tend to do that. You know, that confidence level get up. You know, we can just we can just instinctively know what we ought to do mm-hmm. instead of having all this prior knowledge and overanalyzation and thinking too much. You know, we can just go. You know, and and just do it, and we're much more efficient. But yeah. then again, that's just that's just my opinion on on my little section of the world. You know, we're all just a sum of our experiences. You know. We, that's that's all we are you know where we're sitting today you know the turkey hunters we are today is just based on our experiences you know what you know what we've gained over the years yeah you know i try to pay attention trying to always be learning but you know that's where we're at absolutely what what was your motivation for the book you know i've always i've, I've taken notes from journals since i was a high school kid mm-hmm. and um that they they just I've always thought that I was going to write one and I've always, you know, in back in school, I was actually, 
you know, had, I would have uh, really good grades on papers like that. Any kind of creative writing uh, usually did pretty good. In the mid 2000s, Field and Stream had a little thing for the readers. Bill Heavey uh, sent out an invitation for readers to contribute stories. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. Well, I did, and he printed it. And uh, so it kind of that was my motivation to say, you know, hey, I might have some talent here. You know, it, it might be something. It's something that I enjoy, whether or not. Yeah. You know, and I want other people to enjoy it as well. You know, and there was another thing on one of the old forums back, you know, before Facebook and Instagram and all that. You know, yeah. a lot of us old turkey hunters communicated on. Uh, the state department's uh, turkey hunt forums and things like that. Well, there was one time that they, you know, they started a thread on just regular hunting stories. Well, I wrote a quick one, and uh, it got a lot of, of a favorable response from it. You know, and and uh, you know, just that that little bit of motivation to be able to tell a story. But the thing that I wanted to be key on is I don't want to just tell a story. I don't want to tell a tale. I want to tell the truth, you know, because you don't, the truth is, truth is stranger than fiction. Uh, you know, getting yeah. back to the Cameron, you know, getting back to the, the topic Cameron I was talking about earlier, um, you don't really have to embellish a turkey hunt story. Those things are fascinating to begin with. Oh, yeah. You just have to pay attention to the details that you might overlook. Um, my talent is in seeing the details. Seeing the seeing the little things that that others might miss uh, that doesn't make me you know any more observant or anything like that. It's just something that I take note of. That, that's something that I draw importance on. You know, at the end of the day, because you know there's going to be one that one of these days. I'm, I'm not, you know, my last journal entry is going to be entered, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to be able to go out in the woods. You know, I'm not going to be able to turkey hunt. You know, I, I would like to say that I'm going to die with my boots on you know, as an old man, uh, but I don't know that. The, the only way I'll be able to hunt and to remember is through those journals. That's why I take That's why I take a lot of good notes. It, I mean, it's not extensive. You know, it's not necessarily what the barometer was every morning. If it was too high, if it was real high or real low, I'll make a note of it. But, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not that scientific about it. Uh, but I remember the things that I write down the things that I want to remember, you know, when I'm an old man. And yeah. uh, that's, that's why I can be accurate in my, excuse me, I can be accurate in my stories is, you know, what time they started gobbling and things like that. And uh, I just, you know, got to be truthful about it. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, and the reason for that, I, you know, one of my favorite authors, I'm not, I'm not going to mention his name, but he, he wrote duck hunting books. And um, when I found out that he just, you know, he, he just kind of just embellished things you know it just you know he just wrote tales yeah they were still entertaining to me don't don't get me wrong they were still entertainment too but they were tainted at that point Mm -hmm. when i found out that it wasn't true that 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 actually did not happen it just it just it took away from it and i don't want to be that kind of writer yeah i won't you know most of my hunts you know they deal with you know i've got folks with me that can you know not that I need to be verified, but you know what I'm saying, you know, that, that they are truthful. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. anyway, I kind of preached just a little bit there. I'm sorry. I apologize for that, but, um, but that's where I'm coming from. I mean, nope. You know, I'm, you know, I'm essentially the only Turkey hunter in my family with the exception of my nephew. I didn't grow up, you know, I'm not a third generation Turkey killer. I didn't grow up, 
you know, with, you know, dad straddling me, you know, when the, when the, my first bird walked in, I was, you know, I'm by myself as a good adult man, you know, trying to figure it out, but I've been listening, you know, I've been listening over the years, but when I was a kid, I've been, I've been in the woods since I was a kid. And when I say in the woods, when I was a kid, dad would literally have to carry me to the treed coonhounds. I mean, that's, that's how long I've been in the woods. Mm-hmm. But when I was growing up adolescence, we just didn't have the turkeys. We, we just did not. So it, it wasn't really even on the radar uh, growing up that, you know, the population, when the population got really good in the early 2000s, you know, that's when, that's when I started it. But I've always been a hunter. I've always been a woodsman as far as that's concerned. But at the same time, you know, I just didn't have the opportunities uh, you know, growing up, but you know, I've, there's nothing like the pursuit of the turkey. I mean, there's nothing even close as far as, you know, any kind of outdoor activity. You know, if you had to trade them all in and just do one, I mean, it's a no brainer, you know, for me, but yeah. Yeah. I really liked the chapter called the old home place road, I think, or something yeah. like that. The old house place. Yep. Yeah. And you know, that is, a, you kind of, the whole chapter is you, in a dream, essentially sleeping at night, you know, going right. back to an old memory. Cameron, man, right. that made me. You just think. ruined it. He did. He he did give it. <laughs> hey, he did give it away. Uh, but but look, but but here's the truth about it. It's not really uh, the the whole chapter will deals with you know when you're struggling, when you've got to think good thoughts. You know when when a gobbler has been whipping you for day after day after day, you're gonna have to get your mind on a situation and 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 grab hold of it, of, of something that you did right. That road right there, if I'm ever suffering insomnia or anything like that, it, it's, it's one of, it's just one of those places that, um, that I, I know that sounds, uh, it's, this mind sounds uh, just, um, fatalistic or anything like that, but, but this is, this is to show you how important that is to me. If say they said you have Michael, you have one week to live within that week. If I'm physically able to, I would have been, I will go down that road at least one more time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it means to me. When And of course, when I'm trying to write a story about something that means that much to me, you, can you imagine how hard it was for me to write that? Oh, I bet. There's so many different angles. You know, it's the turkey hunt is true. Every event leading up to it is true each little spot. And I mean, I could have, I could have written the entire book on that road, just about that road. Yeah. That particular turkey hunt, of course, that is me that is sitting there at the base of that tree. After I killed that bird, the, you know, the kill went just like, just like I said it did. After I killed that bird, I remember picking him up and saying, boy, I wish I could have seen the show from where I'm standing right now. And that is where that book is narrated from. I'm able to see the show. Yeah. Now, now here's how I be truthful to the reader. How do I know the gobblers did that? How do I know that they strutted down that road like that? Well, it's red clay. And they did strut, you know, back and forth. You know, you can see the figure eights and everything else. And also, you know, by how they were gobbling to me and the, and the rate that they were coming to me. So, I'm actually truthful. I was able to, you know, put it from two different perspectives at the same time. You know, to me, I mean, the well, my wife. I mean, that's that's by far my wife's favorite chapter. And uh, and I'll be honest with you, when I wrote that chapter and when I read it for the first time to Michelle, I couldn't I couldn't say that last line. I just couldn't. I just choked up. 
Mm. You know, the guy that owned the property before us, uh, he was an old man. And, uh, you know, that was back when, when uh, young boys used to, you know, sit and take time with older people. I've always been fascinated by hearing older people tell stories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was the one that told the story about the card game, uh, about that guy getting killed, you know, uh, yeah. just just various things. Well, when he was dying, Dad took him on a last trip around his old farm, which was our farm now. And I thought to myself, even, even though I was a teenager at the time, I realized the magnitude of that trip because that's the last time he's going to see it down there. And I just, I just realized that I just, I've always remembered that. And I try to, you know, you can't always just be looking back all the time because, you know, you just, you, you, we're not supposed to, you know, we're not supposed to, but we're also, you know, we don't need to forget it uh, as well. So I, I can get really reflective uh, when I start talking about that road, because just so much of my life, you know, from the time I was the first remembrances to here, I said, as a 40, uh, you know, late forties guy, you know, that it's just important to me, you know, and I've got a feeling that if, if a lot of people were truthful to themselves, when, when I mentioned some, a place like the old house place road, they've got a place in mind too. Uh, they, yeah. you know, that, that they would want to go a, a special place because turkey hunting, that's the thing of that is cool about it. It will put you in places. Uh, you will go by places just because they're pretty. You will never kill a turkey there, but you will go there just because of the view. Or because yeah. of this. Now you will try to kill one. You in the back of your mind, you're saying, "Man, I'd look, just love to work a gobbler here," but it's not going to happen. But you go there anyway because you just love where turkey hunting takes you. Just the beauty of it. Because you know, ultimately, we're out there to kill one. I mean, this this just you know, I'm not diminishing that, but but y'all know how it is about the journey of it. Yeah. You know, the journey is what you'll end up remembering, man. And it's just you know, it's just that's what makes it so good. It's just. That's why that's why I really love turkey hunt more than anything because it, it puts you in places that are just um, just phenomenal. It just puts you really close to nature, and I and I just really love that part. Yeah, but. and it's you know the way that chapter's written, it made me reflect on kind of when I'm laying at bed at night and you know can't sleep. I got a stressful work or whatever's going on. I feel like I do retreat to like a core memory right. such as that when I'm trying to fall asleep. You know? <laughs> right. It, and that's, and that's essentially like, what it is. Why is that? Why are these, you know, two or three memories maybe are the ones I run to when, when I need to be calm type thing. And it, it was just a great, well-written chapter in my mind. Cause it is true. I, I mean, that's, I think everybody has those core memories that when they're, laying in bed or sitting in the recliner and they're reflecting on their hunting adventures there's a few you tend to go to right and and you know that's mine and i'm not afraid to take the reader there you know just you know that's a special part uh, of my life and uh you know by putting in that chapter you know i I share it with you know you and andy and you know everybody else that that reads it you know but um Yeah. yeah but i don't mind i don't mind doing it because you know it's you know I enjoy it and I want you to enjoy it too. I want to I want to tell the story about it. You know it might not be significant. You know I miss my deer first deer there. You know or just it's the things that you've replayed. That big old buck that stepped out. You know the arrow that stuck in the red oak tree for years. You know just mm-hmm. just the little things. So you know people can relate to that. You know somebody said yeah I, we we shot a an oak tree like that too. Arrow stuck up there for years. You know just uh, just just the little things. You know. That, that just makes it cool it just makes it cool 
But uh, it, it was a hard chapter just because I had a Bible's worth of things that I could have written about, and I had to winnow it down to about 3,000 words. And it, it was one of the harder chapters to write. But once I realized the angle that I was going to, man, it, it, it went down on the page pretty quick. Yeah, It just took me a while to mull it over how to do it. Yeah, and and that's the thing, you know, when you're writing about something or some place that's special to you like that, and you, you know, you don't want to do it any less justice than it really right. means to you. And so, yeah, I could totally see how that would be a probably the the hardest chapter of the book to write, you know, as right. far as everything it, that I've read anyway. You know, and based on what you said, it it, it was so, yeah. You know, uh, and, and even even getting back to some of the things that we before we started recording, you know, I lost my father-in-law this week, and and during during that time, you know, there there was a bunch of us in the room, and I was just you know feeling the pressure of that moment, just just everything you know crashing in on me, and I was just thinking, you know, I wish if I could just pause right here and just step outside, if I could just go somewhere else, where would I go? And that's where I would go. Mm-hmm. It, that's immediately where my mind went. It's subcon- I didn't consciously think about it. It's subconsciously, and uh, it's just it's just one of those things uh, that you know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we. <laughs> I didn't mean to get so sappy on that on that one subject, but no. it, you know, it's 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 a. I really think it's a strong chapter. Uh, it, it's just it's one of my strongest chapters in that book, yeah. and uh, it's just you know it's just one of those things. I think it's very relatable. Uh, I think. The feedback that I've gotten, that's that's been one of the favorite chapters. Uh, Presence of My Enemies, that's another one. You know, dealing with public land hunters. Uh, <laughs> that is a, that is a, that was, now to me, that was a fun chapter to write. It, it wasn't, it wasn't as sappy as, as that old house flesh road was. But, um, and to deal with the public, you know, you you got to scout them just as much as you do the turkeys. Yeah. Especially down here in yeah. Mississippi, you know, the, I don't know, uh, in, in y'all's respective necks of the woods, but you know, hunting pressure—it's uh, not a—it it is at an all-time high. Uh, I don't know what the license sale numbers are or anything like that, but I can tell you personally, locally, uh, it is. You know, I take notes on this stuff. I, I mean, I can tell you when the pressure's up, and it's—it's it's at an all-time high. Last year, open day, for instance, you know, we were uh, buddy and I were set to go to this particular property. Well trail camera uh revealed on the field road that two people had already been in there so we go hook my boat up uh, go to public land that we can get on that's non-draw uh launch go to a place well there's two boats there well we go to a third spot we go up there don't hear a bird well we go to the fourth spot and then by the time we get to the fourth spot we're like man man we're just going through the motions now but i struck up one shot it and killed it and it was a big one an inch and a quarter like a 10 inch beard and they don't always end that way mm-hmm. uh, and you know it, it's not how you start it's how you end but uh and that that was a that was a good hunt in itself that i really abbreviated down very quickly but uh but it was a pretty quick hunt too once we got once i got him to answer uh but that just you know it used to be a uh a foregone conclusion if i wanted to hunt anywhere on public land i, I pretty much would, would get it's not like that anymore we've got people that are willing to go in a lot earlier than this old man's willing to uh, especially the younger generation but. yeah yeah if you if you don't think there's more turkey hunters now than pretty much any time in the past I, I think you're just living under a rock i don't know but 
Show seems like a lot of folks. You can direct them. You can direct them to me, and I'll show you my journals. I've got documented proof they have exponentially gone up, yeah. and or, the turkey numbers have exponentially gone down too. Or <laughs> I just need it, to know where they're hunting, right? Yeah. See that the thing. The thing is, um, you, you know, and I and I, if somebody's parked there, I'm not going to go in on anybody. I just I don't like to play like that at all. You know, I and I don't want to be shot. Yeah. You know. I, you know, it's strictly from a safety standpoint for that matter. A lot of times, and, it, and I'll take notes, I take a, I take quite a few notes on the people that I am familiar with, their tendencies, where they typically will go, you know, I know if this truck is parked here from Arkansas, they're hunting here. You know, that way I can kind of, you know, plan around everybody else, you know, that particular morning. Um, you know, I do have a, a fella and uh, in chapter two, he is my arch, arch nemesis. You know, I have been bumping into him on public land for, you know, over 15 years now. Uh, but we stay out of each other's way. Um, and uh, we have a good working relationship in that way. We, we really steer, steer clear of each other. Uh, we have, uh, you know, like the book said, we did have a really good conversation in the woods that really meant a lot to me. You know, I just, uh, I don't want to give away the whole chapter, but, but, you know, it was, uh, it was just one of those deals where after the same goal, he would take, he would take that prize away from me if he could. I would take that prize away from him if I could, Mm -hmm. but we're going to play by the rules. We're going to play by the rules of being a gentleman to each other. And, uh, we, you know, we follow that. Um, but, um. Yeah. But yeah, dealing with the public, you've got you you really got to know your enemy. You really do. I mean, because you just you can have a bird scouted out, and it's it's not going to do you a lick of good knowing where a bird is at if you know three people going to be hunting the next day. And nowadays, it you know it used to be you had options. You know, this bird, that bird, or that bird. You know, but it's now it's just the bird, and you know it's just it just makes things worse. Um, you know, I, I bumped into I had a bird last year that uh you know that that i found and i that i struck up and i actually was was safety was off he was coming you know i thought he was about to to kill him and all of a sudden four deer come right by me i mean just about run me over well that means one of two things i mean well it means one thing on public land that that somebody bumped it and sure enough it was a hunter well come to find out uh it was two hunters and i knew both of them you know and we're all three friends and uh it just it was just one of those deals you know i was like okay uh, i will back out you know y'all go after him for a couple of days i'll go to tennessee and hunt you know come monday morning i'll come back you know if y'all hadn't killed him you know we just had to make that kind of you know gentleman's agreement you know because of yeah. that situation because we didn't we simply didn't have more birds to go to you know that was the bird mm-hmm. um you know i just it's it's just harder out there it used to be when I first started out, you know, was had so many birds. It was it was not a matter if you're going to kill you three. You had so many you had so many options. You could mess up a lot and you'd still get three. And now nowadays, it's it's not a foregone conclusion. I'm I'm really having to hunt late into the season if I'm going to get a limit. And I don't get a limit every year either. And like I said earlier, I know some good Mississippi turkey hunters that that haven't killed a turkey in a couple of years. And uh, that 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 right there should be one of the most alarming things, you know. But yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, you mentioned it a couple times in there about the barge hit. What was the story behind <laughs> that? Well, the barge by the name of Jeannie 
hit us one morning. Buddy and I were in two different boats. There was there was about four of us. And what happened? This barge was pushing. It, it was like two loads, one right in front of the other. And what he was going to do is collapse them down to where they would be side by side. So he swung the front barge or the front front load. It swept the bank. Well, they didn't realize that a, that a boat was there. We had just gotten back to the boat, and there was a spotter on the front, and he said, oh, you got a flat bottom, 50 feet, 40, 30, 10, you hit it. And it happened just like that. Pulled the motor off my boat just like a tab on a Coke can. I mean, just like that. And, boy, I mean, I was some kind of mad. My buddy's boat that was that was parked right beside mine, it sustained just very minimal damage. It just a little bit on the cowling. So uh, went out there to talk to the captain. He was about to retire. Really nice man. I thought he would be, like, standoffish, but he was not. He was extremely friendly. The one thing that I, I remember most about that is how clean where that captain was at. I mean, it was just immaculate up there. And uh, he just he said he simply didn't see us. And uh, and he couldn't from his angle. He just he just couldn't. But we had three game wardens, Corps of Engineer. Uh, of course, I had a state trooper that was with me at the time. So, you know, we we had every 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 law enforcement officer that could be uh, conveniently <laughs> located on on a Sunday morning down there. Of course, rumor got out in the county below that you know some people drowned, the boat sunk, and everything else. <laughs> you know how you know rumors get around on that. That doesn't but, happen. Um, <laughs> but uh but that's that's the story of the barge hit we were not in in the boat but we were barely not in it we were there to witness it and uh that could have been extremely bad but but it wasn't and uh you know you know it all worked out you know it just but boy i was i i don't normally get extremely mad uh about things but man i was i was pretty mad that morning but uh but it, but like I said, it all worked out. Nobody got hurt, and that was the most important thing. You know, you can look back on it now. We, you know, we laugh about it now. But you know, at the time, it's you know pretty serious. Yeah. You know, because you scare your wife and everybody else half to death. Because I mean, how do you how do you open up that phone conversation? Hey, baby, you know, a, a barge just hit us. You know, there's no way to. <laughs> you know, yeah. you have to say, well, you, you know, we're okay. Yeah. You know, I had to start like that. But but uh, yeah, it's uh, they had to tow me in. Sure yeah. did. Yeah, that. Yeah, I saw the picture in the book of the boat, and yeah, I mean that that could have been a lot worse than, than what it was, no doubt. Yeah, it's it still was able to float, and uh, it was considered total, but we we got it fixed. I'm still in that same boat. Just gotta they fixed the dent and just go on with it. Yeah, you know. But yeah, the main thing is just being safe. You know, we were you know just fortunate that we weren't in it. Because that would have been bad, bad. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I've got a question to you that's a question for you that's unrelated to turkey hunting, but I'm going to tie it into turkey hunting. Okay. So I understand you and your wife, Michelle, both are into or maybe were into endurance races and that you've competed in two Ironman Ironman competitions. That is correct. So what got you into that? And then part B of that question and me tying it into turkey hunting, do you feel like it's made you a better turkey hunter? Well, it came, you know, when I was about 35 years old, uh, I've got another book coming out that you're going to see what I looked like when I was 35. I was pretty chunky. And uh, I I looked myself in the mirror, got up to 274 pounds. I said, you know, something's going to have to give on this. So I tried to get him, try to start uh, getting in shape. And uh, 
first things first, you know, just, uh, just started running and just, you know, got to where I could run a mile straight and then I could run five miles straight. And then all of a sudden I could do a half marathon. And my wife joined in on, she, uh, she has done about seven half marathons. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, uh, from the half marathon, I went up to a full marathon, full marathon. I decided to, uh, start triathlon and, uh, I will have to, I just have to interject right here. Uh, uh, one of my best friends, his name is Jordan. Uh, he was with me, you know, throughout a lot of those steps, uh, especially on the triathlon stuff, uh, having somebody to train with, uh, just, just kind of helped. Yeah. Um, we, we went to, uh, we, we make really big leaps. Uh, we went from a sprint triathlon, which is the short one that you can finish. And, you know, if you're, if you're pretty quick, you can do it in under an hour. Uh, we went from a sprint in 2015 to signing up for Ironman Louisville, Kentucky in 2016. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, we had – just it is so time consuming on the training on Saturday mornings in the summer you're you're literally you're you're riding your bike for a hundred miles at least a half a dozen times during the summer it's just it's just extremely time consuming yeah you know it's natural Ironman Louisville you know and and uh, explain what an Ironman is it's uh, you, you you swim for two point four miles you get off you get out of the water you hop on a bike you ride it for 112 miles you hop off that then you run a marathon for 26.2 miles and uh, you try to do that in under 16 and a half hours and um, ended up doing two of them at louisville kentucky then chattanooga tennessee and then i retired um just uh you know i, I checked the boxes yeah now does it make me a better turkey hunter in a way i really think that it does um from a mental mental mindset you have to it's it's more of a mental thing than than a physical thing um i now look at a bird that you know some people might say yeah that's pretty ways off there's no bird that i hear that i can legally get to that i will not go to if i can get to it yeah Um, and that that kind of mindset um you know, I'm not in. I'm not, as I said here today, in Ironman shape. I can still. I could probably run six, seven miles straight now. Uh, you know, without collapsing. Uh, but, uh, but you know, I, I'm not trained up for that. But at the same time, it does correlate to the turkey hunt woods. You know, you got to be in shape. Uh, you know, to be able to go on the hills. I'm mean, especially you go up to Tennessee. You know, I mean, there's yeah. there's some places that you've got to get. Michelle and I have literally been on a bird in Tennessee where we were a prop every bit of a mile away from it come goblin time and we literally sprinted i mean literally gun unloaded literally sprinted to that to that area sit down at a tree huffing and puffing load the gun call him up and kill him and if it wasn't for being in some semblance of shape uh, yeah. we would have never been able to cut that distance in time uh, yeah. so you know that there there is that angle now the you know the I don't want to be one of those, you know, there, there's a saying that goes, uh, you know, about CrossFitters, triathletes, and, and vegans. Uh, you know, how do you know if somebody is? Well, you don't have to ask them. They'll tell you within five minutes of talking with them. I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. But at the same time, it's kind of important to know that's part of my identity uh, yeah. because that shows my mindset and how determined I am. Because if you're looking at it, if you're watching Iron Man, finish line you know the elites are going to be finishing in seven hours or so you know i'm a 13 30 guy okay uh you know the cutoff is going to be 16 and a half those people that are coming in at 16 and a half they're the ones that get the crowd riled up 
They're oh, the ones yeah. that just have, I mean, just have stayed out there the longest that are struggling the most. And the people that come down that chute at the end of the night like that, man, I'm, I'm telling you what, you can't tell by looking at somebody. I've seen elite looking six pack abs laying on the side of the road, just huffing and puffing. Then I've seen somebody with a, a BMI in the low thirties go down that chute before the, before the, the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just can't tell by looking at somebody because it's between the ears is what finishes something like that. Yeah, uh, it's not the you've got you've got to have a level of physical. Don't get me wrong, you do, but it's the mental. It is it's more mental. Yeah. So to answer your question, how it correlates to turkey hunting, absolutely. It, it makes me a lot more stubborn of a turkey hunter. It does. Yeah. That's what Wayne Bailey, I believe it was, in one of his books, he said, uh, all outs equal, the healthier turkey hunter will kill more birds. And I think that's very accurate because I believe that that somewhere out there on that public land I'm hunting or whatever, there's a guy that calls just as good as me, just as good of a woodsman and, you know, just as good of a shot and everything else. But if I cover two miles and he only covers one, I got a much better chance of killing a turkey. That's uh, and, and I and I fully agree with that. You know, talent wise, I'm I'm you know I'm not a Doc Weddle. Or, you know, I'm not you know I'm not up to that level at all. You know, where you just go anywhere you anywhere on the on the map and kill a turkey. I'm I'm probably just average as far as just hunting ability. You know, but as far as determination, probably a little bit above average actually on that. You know, just I'm just being realistic with myself. I'm not yeah. trying to be something that I'm that I'm not, but you know, I, I'll kill, I'll kill turkey. I like to eat turkeys, but you know, I, I, I know about where my talent level is on that, on that, on that angle. Yeah. Um, I would, I've never thought about that. I, I personally think in this, I'm not bragging. I think I'm elite in the determination scale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also known as stubbornness. I, yeah. That, you, you know, and I, and I, I have a friend, uh, Brady, man, he will, he, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, two time iron man, everything else. He will walk me into the ground. You know, if things ain't happening, he's got a lot more stick with it than I do. I mean, I thought I was determined. That boy is the most determined guy that I hunt with. You know, we were on a draw hunt together last and, uh, man, I was, I just ready to, you know, after we, after we hit, hit the waffle place, man, I was like, man, we can go on back to Amory if you want to, but he won't get back out and just, we just kept on. I mean, my striker lost about an eighth of an inch on it, you know, cause we just call and call and call him, man. He's just optimistic, but you know, he is a turkey killer too. So, uh, you know, it's, you know, we're all, we're just all different, you know, it just, we're all, we're all different striving for the, the same goal. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to me hearing how everybody does things differently. Some of the, you know, some of the techniques that they use, like right now I'm in the middle of a, a book by Larry Prophet, Letters to My Grandsons. Oh yeah. And, uh, and, and Andy, I'm kind of like, look, I mean, I, I, I've been flooded since this book deal, I've been, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of, uh, swapping books with, with other authors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've, I've, you know, it's, it's going to take me to t- 2024 to get through them. Yeah. Uh, but I'm in the middle of profits book right now. And the, the, the techniques that he uses, the, the calling, of course, we, of course we know how talented he is when it comes to a call, uh, you know, particularly a trumpet. Um, you know, the trumpet seems to be king right now. Uh, maybe yeah. it always has been, but it's just one of those things that everybody is trying to master. Um, and there, there are some people out there that are truly masters. I mean, they, they can sit there, yelp, cluck, 
you know, cackle and gobble just, just all in one breath. If I mean, if I did that, I'd rupture something, break a tooth, and, and just wet myself probably. <laughs> but, I mean, they had the kind of talent that, that they can do that. You know, I'm a slate guy. Uh, you know, if my life depends on giving a good series of yelps, you know, I'm going to pick up a slate call with a purple heart and uh, a purple heart striker, and that's that's just what I'm comfortable with. I've killed them with diaphragms. I've killed them with boxes. Um uh, you know, but I, at the end of the day, I just, that's my comfort level. You know, that's, that's where I'm at. Um, I lose versatility. I realize that by, by not, I mean, I've got other surfaces, you know, aluminum and among other things, but, uh, you know, a slate is what I'm on, you know, 90% of the time, you know, and it's, and it works, you know, it just works. There's just something primitive about it. Uh, that just, you know, there's something primitive about it that I like, that, that I enjoy about it. But, but yeah, Prophet, yeah, he his the his techniques uh in that book is, is just fascinating to me. You know, the he will go through what you know, what series he uses, you know, bonks, the clucks and everything. It's just it's just fascinating to me. You know, that's a whole man, that's just a whole different level of 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 turkey expertise like that. And there's so many more out there that's that's just like him, you know. Uh, with that level of talent, and that, I mean, I admire, I'm, I admire that. I just really do. Yeah, he, his interview we did a year, year and a half ago is, is one of my favorite ones we've done. I just, Mr. Larry's an awesome guy. I got to sit down with him one on one when I was at a wedding in East Tennessee and hang out with him. And I just, I loved that time I got to spend with him. It was a fun time and learned a lot. And you know, who am I? I'm sitting here at Unicoi with a brand new book you know, selling my book and I'm, I'm stationed right beside Larry Prophet. Yes, you are. Uh, and having somebody, you know, just, uh, you won't talk about just, uh, you know, not, you, you know, I do realize, I do realize who I was around, you know, it, 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 he, he is a legend, you know, Mr. Herb on down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was on the other side of him, you know, a legend in his own right too. Uh, but you know, they just, they, it just, I can't speak enough about that event. It, it, it was really eye opening to me seeing all of that talent but yet seeing all the humbleness about it you know oh, yeah. uh, no nobody's putting on airs you know I, I felt embraced i was a new kid on the block i mean big time uh walking into that place and but nobody i never felt slighted by anybody uh from the elevator to to my table you know till the time i, I left the place I, I was not slighted by anybody everybody was extremely uh, friendly and embraced me and and boy, I, I'll always, I won't, I won't forget that. that that's, that's really, uh, I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. there Because a lot of people said some things that they didn't have to, that they didn't have to say and the support they didn't have, to, but they did. And, and I do appreciate that. Yeah. There's no one in that entire building that thinks they're better than someone else, whether it's a call maker who's, 70 something years old and been making turkey calls for 50 years or a young guy that has got all the talent in the world that makes a phenomenal turkey call that just you know is is at the top of his game right now i mean they're all just as humble as they can be and willing to give so much of their time and their knowledge and you know it's a special uh, place special event it is it is it is a very special, it's, it's, it's one word to describe it. It's very authentic. It you is. know, it's not a bunch of fluff. Yeah. It's, it's very authentic. And you can, there's so much talent in that room. 
and I could start naming some names of my favorite artists, and but I would I would be afraid that I would I would leave off some. But there is at least a half a dozen in that room that if they lived back during biblical times, during the time of Moses, when they were setting up that tabernacle and they were looking for some artisans to fix that mercy seat, you know, with the ones with the cherubs with the the, the wings meeting. Mm-hmm. Those type of artistic levels, there, there's a half a dozen in there that, that could have been commissioned to do that. Uh, there, that's that level of talent. There was one box called, and, and y'all will figure it out who I'm talking about, but there's one guy that I really wanted to meet uh, that uh, he, he had created a box call that had a bison on it and a, uh, and a Rio gobbler, and it showed three different stages of that turkey's life. It, and the, the bison's life, it showed the baby turkey as a poult and the baby calf, you know, they were sitting there just greeting one another. Then it shows later on, on another side of the box call, where the bison is bellowing, the turkey is gobbling to that bellow. And then on yet another side, it shows the skull of that bison and the feather to that turkey. And uh, just the three phases of that life, I mean, I mean, it just blew me away you know, at the artistic talent yeah. uh, that, that somebody could do that. And it's like, man, you know, you know, you and I, and, and, and uh, you know, we're us three are, are on one side of that box call right now. You know, we're all, yeah. you know, we're all three adults, you know, that's where we're at. And we can see the other side of the box call coming up, you know, Lord willing, it'll be on down the road, way on down the road. But, you know, seeing, seeing that life cycle on that box call like that, the creativeness to it, just, you know, I don't get impressed a whole lot, but um, about what mankind can do. But man, that right there impresses me—just yeah. that type of talent. And I'm just giving you just one little—that's one smidgen, yeah. of, just one little smidgen of talent there. But yeah, no doubt, man, Michael, I've enjoyed this. This has been a lot of fun, and I—I I believe the listeners of this show got a a really good idea just in our chat of, of who Michael Simpson is and. You know, I, I'm glad to have met you at Unicoi. I'm super excited to have spent the time with you this evening chatting. And well, I appreciate that. The three of I appreciate us that. have been on the phone for really an hour before we started recording. And yeah, we, we man, we covered a lot of ground. Hey, you know what? We never did cover that thing with Cameron and uh, but, uh <laughs> Yeah. Why, don't wanna, we well, why don't we get you back on and and talk about yeah. that once season we, we starts? Might, it, we yeah. might have to. Hey, you know what? We we need to get back on. I need to get back on uh, sometime and see if I ever lift that curse. You know that yeah. that's <laughs> that's the thing. But uh, and uh, and also we can that also we can swap in season notes because uh, that that's uh, um, that certainly is that's got me intrigued now. You know about about that whole deal. So I tell you uh, what, let's do this, and I'm I'm just going to invite myself along. I think we should just do a do our next interview with the barbed wire fence between us. <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> we could. Do, I tell you what, though, if you're having to bang it off a satellite somewhere, good luck because you get zero signal right there at that barbed wire fence. Oh, you I got to get recorder. up on top of that ridge. I got to okay, recorder. Yeah, you we gonna, get that. You're gonna be. You're gonna be good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you, uh, you can nine one one it up on top of that ridge, but you're not gonna. You're not gonna be able to get anything out of that out of that bottom but i'll, uh, I'll bring a six pack of triple a batteries and we can talk for hours I know. <laughs> uh, hey i, I got you. i got one more question all right yes sir michael if somebody wants a book how do they get one well uh you can order directly from me i'm at uh, big orange 1086 at gmail.com uh you can text me 
662-231-4599. If this is during turkey season, you know, I'm going to be in bed at 9 o'clock, so it'll be the next day for a get-to. But uh, uh, that is the two ways to uh, – easiest ways. Of course, I am on Facebook. Uh, you can Facebook message and message me. But you know how Facebook Messenger is. Some some people can get through quick. Some people just hang up. So uh, just those three avenues. You can text me or just, you know, bigorange1086 at com, and just, you know, I'll, I'll get back with you. And like I said, that, you're you're not going to find them anywhere else except by me as of right now. So, uh, but yeah. I do appreciate y'all letting me come on and you know talk about my book a little bit. And uh, you know I do have another one in the works, and uh, I just I, I feel like it's probably going to be probably the fall before it comes out. But uh, still turkey hunt related, so really looking forward to it. It's it's just really it's a fun process for me. It's just it's just fun. Well, stress relief. You know, I I won't ever have the talent to have a be able to ma- manufacture a turkey call to get in that big room at Unicoi. But you know, I'm doing the best I can to contribute to the turkey society. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the the turkey community by you know by this book. I mean, that's that's where, you know, that's that's where uh, I can contribute. You know, I won't ever. I'm not artistic. I'm not. You know, I'm I'm tone deaf as a as a doorstep. You know, as far as as calls are concerned, but uh. But uh, but I've just enjoyed the process, I, and I appreciate y'all y'all having me on. Man, yeah, I enjoyed it. Highly recommend I, folks go get that book. Yes. If and uh and Cameron, look me up because uh, I'm sure your path and my path will will, <laughs> Lord willing, it'll cross this year. I if I hear s- up there. some slate call yelping on the north side of the fence, and you hear some mouth call yelping from the south side, we'll know where we stand. <laughs> Well, I hope I can call so authentic enough that you wouldn't be able to recognize it. Be a slate call, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> the worst, I mean, the worst compliment or worst, worst thing you can ever tell another turkey hunter is, man, I knew you was running a slate or yeah, I knew you was running a box. You know, like, no, man, I, I don't you. want to sound like a turkey. But, uh, but uh, anyway, yeah. I, I, I appreciate it, fellas. If, yeah. if you guys have enjoyed this talk with Michael and – you know, can relate to his stories and, and things that he shared with us on, on the call tonight. That's how the book reads, and I, I highly recommend it. I, it's not going to take me long to finish the next half of the book, I know, but, you know, I, I appreciate you, you taking the time to write the book and sharing part of your life and part of your experience in the woods and yeah. then taking time out tonight to to share a little bit more of it with us this evening, and thank you. Thank you, and I hope y'all have a good spring. Y'all have safe too, travels. Buddy. Thank you. Yes, yes sir. sir. Thank, thank you. I'm going right. to stay away from the east side. I'll see you. <laughs> yes, sir. Don't go to the east side. It's a waste of time. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Hey, thank y'all. Y'all have a good night now. Too, I appreciate man. it. All right. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, Kermit, what would you think? <laughs> <laughs> I prefer Daphne. <laughs> Sorry, Daphne. Hello, doll. <laughs> great interview it was a great interview Just, it really was i i mean you know getting to uh, well i'm gonna say this we didn't really dive into the story about how the small world and michael are almost related <laughs> yeah yeah I'll, I'll tell you how that happened you know i read the book and one of the chapters in there is called the jinx of 17 creek and it refers to a piece of private land that Michael hunts. And anyway, he goes through great detail on it and revealed the county that this private land is in. There's there's no public land or anything, so don't go looking at every 17 Creek in the United States now. But 
because you're you're going to get you know if you go hunt there you will be prosecuted. But it turns out my brother bought a piece of property a few years ago and he literally calls it 17 Creek. Like he was like, hey, I'm going to go up to my 17 Creek property. So I read this chapter and it actually took a day or two for it to set in. I was like, you know, it's kind of weird that place he described sounded very familiar. Then Thomas said something about his property. Anyway, I texted Michael and I was like, hey, is that, you know, near this area? And he's like, yeah. I was like, cool. My, my brother bought a piece of property right there. And he's like, really? You know, that's that's interesting. Probably right down the road. And I got on Onyx and looked at the last names. And it's like, no, nah, it actually, y'all border him on the north. <laughs> <laughs> so so one of the pictures in the book is of 17 Creek. One side of the creek is my brother's property, and the other side is Michael. Yeah. So very interesting that literally this spring we might be sitting there listening to each other hunting. You know, so yeah. small freaking world. You know, and mm. I, it's cool because I've gotten to talk to. They've had their property in the family for many years, and he knew a lot about Thomas's land that he bought, and so I was able to actually get several kind of cool details about the history of the property and things like that for Thomas. And so that's been interesting. They yeah. all kind of surrounded people dying on his property. So Thomas needs to be careful, but it was a interesting small world deal, but he needs to, a don't lose in a game of cards or you might get murdered, and buried somewhere on 17 Creek and never found. Yeah. And B don't drive a tractor across the Creek cause it might flip and kill you that way. Cause that has happened. And there's no reason to hunt one side of the creek so yeah, you just really so. focus your efforts on the other side of the creek and when i told thomas that he was like now i'm gonna want to hunt that side constantly until i kill one over there strictly <laughs> so that you can text this guy and tell him that you know i got one on the east side <laughs> 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 so pretty it's just a small world pretty cool coincidence but yeah it's just you know there's certain things that make you realize you know you feel like you live in this huge world and Hunting and all this stuff is this massive amount of people and area, but it, it's a lot smaller than you think. Oh, yeah. Always is, but great interview with Michael. I enjoyed that. He's a heck of a nice guy, as you said, and hopefully y'all will want to go snag a copy of his book. And yeah, I, I would highly, highly yeah, highly, highly recommend grabbing one of those. I, you know, it's 20 bucks, I think, is what he's charging right now, shipped to your door. And so, like he said, you can email him at bigorange1086 at gmail.com or find him on Facebook. And so $20 mailed to your door, super easy, simple process to buy it. And you're going to get you a cool signed copy of a book about hunting the Eastern wild turkey in the Southeast. Yeah. Yep. And you know, he's a, he's a fan of citrus. So nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, think that's nothing, the kind of orange he's talking about? Nothing to do with a certain school in East Tennessee, I'm sure. But Oh, you know. got it. Are you texting him to see if he'll take returns now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've read it? Yeah, exactly. Can I return my personally no. inscribed book to you? <laughs> I'd like a refund. Yeah. I know it has my name on the front of it, but you can sell it to somebody else named Andy. Yeah, there you go. Give That's to, true. Give it to Ken Trail. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I like it. Oh, good stuff, well, Good man. deal. Yeah. Do you have a favor of the week for us this week? I, think, I think you just nailed it. Buy go, the book. Go buy the book. Seriously, yeah. you will not be disappointed in the book. It's it, what else do we need to really get us pumped up and ready to rock and roll 
for turkey season. You know, we have the Turkey Hunter podcast you can listen to to and from work. And when you get home at night, while you're laying in bed, yeah, open up the book, read uh, a chapter a night. That's what I do. Yeah. And then put you right to bed. To yep. It's awesome. Yeah. And having sweet even, dreams too. Even if you don't order the book, maybe send Michael a message on Facebook and just say, man, enjoyed that, that interview on the Turkey Hunter podcast. Let him know. Yeah. So, thanks guys for checking it out. Hope y'all enjoyed this week's episode. Hopefully the next time you hear me, I'll be on the board. I hope so too. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll look forward to seeing you again when we're one week closer to the opener next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.